the marinade. There's no O in marinade. Let's try it one more time. Ready? One, <laughs> two, three. <laughs> the marinade. Marrow. Marrow. Marinade. Bone marinade. The marinade. The marinade. With Jason Earl. Well, the darkness creeps down those tail All the way to the promenade Now the stars align so gently While the palms do swing and sway You've been thinking of salvation Grown up and moving on But you never Welcome to The Marinade with Jason Earl, a free-flowing conversation about the creative process, the creative people. This is episode 129, and our guest is Sammy Kay. Sammy is a songwriter from New Jersey who now makes his home in Cincinnati, Kentucky. He is a dear sweet soul who has lived a fascinating life. Sammy has two records coming out this year, y'all. The first is an EP called Inanna, which is packed with incredible songs and includes work by the great John Calvin Abney. Inanna is available for pre-order on Bandcamp, and you can hear the whole thing on April 28th, 2023. Waiting is one of those wonderful songs. You are hearing it in this episode, and it is now available wherever you stream music. Sammy came over to Marinade Studios ahead of his show in Orlando, with great friend of the show, Matt Woods, on Super Bowl Sunday this year. Y'all, this is one of the most intimate, vulnerable, and honest conversations we've ever recorded. And I'm so grateful for the opportunity to bring you my conversation with Sammy. That's great. Sweet. All right. I think we got the pup subdued. Um, Yeah. That should be about right. Yeah, cool. Okay, cool. Buddy, thanks for doing this. Thanks for for having me. I'm excited. I'm really, I feel like. New friends. Yeah, I feel like we've connected, really connected lately. Just a couple of of pings. Yeah, just a few weeks, and I feel like I've gotten to know you so well. So I'm really excited to to pick your brain to talk to you and so that the folks listening can get to know you as well. Yeah. Um, you sent me your forthcoming records. You got an EP and you got a full length. Yeah. And, uh, so I've been devouring those and buddy, they are fantastic. Thank you. I mean, they're absolutely fantastic. That's all John Calvin Abney. He's the magic <sighs> on the record. Well, let's talk about that. Let's talk about it. He's incredible. Um, yeah. so let's talk about, and what a great pairing that I don't know that I would have necessarily, I mean, I didn't know that you guys knew each other or whatever, we but didn't really. Okay. So we like happened? played two, sh- like, I think I played two shows with Moreland mm-hmm. and, uh, and, and John, John was really funny and, and I, uh, I 
my buddy Jay, I'm, I'd moved to Kentucky, and, and, mm. and uh, my buddy Jay Duckworth is a Tascam nerd. And I was like, let's make a fucking Nebraska. Let's uh, do uh-huh, it, right? Uh-huh. Just, like room, a couple mics, and I'll just play these songs. And uh, I sent him to John, and he's like, oh, did you do this on, on Task? And I'm like, yeah. He's like, I have one too if you want me to use it as a preamp. Like if you ever want stuff on top. And I was like, oh, okay. Cool. And then over the last uh, about 10 months, we're just sending songs back and forth. Very cool. Uh, so it seems like, from what I'm gathering, from what you've told me and what I've read, uh, that you had a whole bunch of stuff written. Yeah. Um, so last, late last January, I, I, uh, I was working at a bar, and we were moving a giant smoker and I tore pretty much every muscle, everything off the bone on my thumb. Oh, shit. Yeah, it's good old four-inch gash there. Um, so, and I couldn't afford, you know, God bless America. I couldn't <laughs> afford, I don't have health care, you know? Yeah. Um, and uh, I didn't want to go into debt, so I, like, just YouTube some physical therapy. And I was like, well, let me just try and figure it out and like you know get my thumb stronger to do like you know the John Prine thing the, the finger picking thing and uh so what every day I kind of just was like I'm gonna write a 12 line song just a quick sonnet right in Mexico they're called corridos they're these quick like, okay. 12 to 16 line stories uh-huh. uh through music um and um I just started writing them and some of them were dumb, like, I fucking hate my job, work sucks, <laughs> today's terrible. And some of them, you know, when you're writing with 12 lines, and I kind of stuck with 12 lines for the, for the record. Okay. Um, I didn't want to hear a chorus eight times. Yeah. Like, short and sweet, like, I'm a punk. Yeah, yeah. Like, one, two, three, four, let's go. Yeah. You know? Um, and... uh when you when you only have twelve lines and there's really only a like a chorus that can be repeated that's only said once, right? Yeah. Everything is a setup and like a golden dagger. So I had to really think about writing, um, but I also did it kind of disassociating. So like there isn't really I think we maybe changed two lines that on the full length that that's first like. And they're both like on the song How Fast to Run. Jay was like, oh man, that line's real good. And he said it, and I was like, that's not what I said, but that's a better line. Let's retract that right now. <laughs> um, and they're just like very, like, well, I'm, I'm, I'm not super um, tenses. I, I, I always mess up tenses. So, like, Jay hmm. was like, you got to edit these tenses because you're talking oh, in uh-huh. one line, like, Past, present, and future. Uh huh. And that those were really the only two edits. The whole like that's that whole incredible, thing. dude. Yeah, they're just kind of me disassociating and rambling about the bullshit my friend said at the bar. Man, that's really, incredible. Yeah, I just took the one liners. These guys I was meeting and stories we were shooting the shit at the bar, and I was like. There you go. That's 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 a line in a song. I wrote yeah. it down. I went home and I was like, "All right, cool. That's my line." Right? I was uh I played in Jersey uh at Danny Clinch's gallery and this kid Blaze was 
was talking to me about he's like i'm stoked you left town like you left and when when things got weird you didn't come back you just kept going uh-huh. and he said something like yeah I, he said like the, the conversation was like you know the hardest part about where you're from is figuring out where to go uh-huh. and that immediately turned into the what hardest part line. about the hardest thing about where you're from is figuring out how fast to run like that whole song is written off of that line wow. it just vomited out um a couple of them like one day i was, I was at work and my my boss johnny uh we're both sober he he was rambling about he wanted to smoke a bong and listen to disintegration yeah, right yeah. there you go there, i got yeah. home and it's like i just want to get stoned and listen to love song yeah right and they just they just fell out and and the glory of me in these short songs is that They're, it's they're just easy. Like mm. I hate using the word easy, but they're just like, all right, you got to set up a good line, paint the picture, another good line, like the make you think line, and then all right, let's just go right into what would be the chorus. And 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 the cool thing about them being short and the chorus is not really repeating is, right, a good Irish drinking song is a good Irish drinking song. But after the fifth chorus, like we get it, you're drunk. Yeah. <laughs> right. So, so you can, right? Or even like you know some of those Sublime songs, right? And I'm not calling out Irish <clears throat> drinking songs as Sublime. Like, like sure. we get it. By 45 seconds, you've smoked a bunch of joints. Right. Right. Like you just keep saying it. You know. Yeah. Yeah. That those lines, like when the choruses hit, or what would be the chorus in these little sonnets, um, you can say, just bonkers lines that when they hit they hit so strong mm-hmm. uh, like one of them is like I'm not afraid of dying no more like you can't really say that more than once in a song right and that's like a bridge line but because there's no bridges and there's these short things that can be the, the lead into the chorus and or what would be the chorus and it just it's just a alright it's time to think right follow yeah. it up and call it a day you know yeah short and sweet well, it, it comes out beautifully. And I, I wonder, so much to unpack here. So I think, I wonder if, it, like, so, you said easy and then you kind of, like, kind of took it back for a second. Because, like, I wonder if how much of it, how much of that process was easy, so to speak, for you because you've just done so much work and you've been doing this for a while. Like, do you think that's just, you've gotten to a place in your in your process and in your career as a writer that you were able to take on this new challenge in that way because of all this other work you've done? Um, yes, no, I, uh, uh, so, so I'm also, you know, let's just lay it out. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a mental health wreck. Yeah. So, so all the COVID, I, uh, I wanted to take care of myself and I, I kind of went on a meds regimen mm. and I didn't touch a guitar for two years. What? I didn't write, I think I wrote five four songs throughout all of from post civil war so that's we finished that record in like late 2018 to i moved to cincinnati hmm. like december of last year oh, right i've been on. there for like a year and change cincinnati kentucky um i think i wrote four songs that's it what yeah i like i just didn't i wasn't touching it i wasn't really and like waiting is one of them because of the AP. headspace you were in or? I was on meds and and, yeah. and the creative side of my brain also coincides with the crazy part of my brain uh-huh. right so yeah 
it's one of those things that it was like all right i'm feeling good i'm a fucking zombie like this is not right uh-huh. i'm not playing i'm not writing i'm not being creative i'm not doing much that about the time i left california i uh i was like all right i'm just gonna do the therapy thing and do kind of heavy therapy so i can kind of figure out and get back to who i was Mm -hmm. and um and pretty much the second the meds kind of left my body songs just started vomiting out wow uh and there was a lot of life lived between that like late 2018 to covid you know yeah. a lot of life a lot of, lot of changes a lot of a lot of wild things so so when i finally got to unpack and go through it it all uh it all kind of made sense you know that i think that's why these songs just kind of fell out i had a couple years worth of shit to say yeah uh, well it's interesting that that it was still there that the the stuff that you had to say was still there, especially yeah. given that you were in that you were on meds. I think that's such a, yeah. As you know, we talk about mental health a lot on the yeah. show, and I I think the decision to to get on meds is not one that's taken lightly. That's a no. tough that's it's, a tough spot yeah, to be I mean, in. It's the same thing with sobering up. It's surrendering. Right. You can't. You you need this help. Right. <clears throat> and and it doesn't work for everybody. You know, no. meds is not the answer for everybody. Mm-hmm. But for some people, it is game changing. You know. Yeah. So, so for you, it sounds like it was a little bit of both. Like it was, so yeah, it was, I was a little real stable. Like, you know, I'm, I, I'm, I'm, uh, uh, I, uh, I got like the same kind of Brian, the Brian, Brian brain that Brian Wilson has, right? It's that mm. schizoaffective disorder. So I have, uh-huh. I have these voices in my head that converse with each other and, and talk to me. Um, and, uh, and a couple other things like swing, depression type things uh i'm 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 an anxious wreck most of the time Mm -hmm. um but uh yeah it got real quiet and i was like and then slowly through therapy i realized as i write songs these characters that i write about are really the voices in my head and i'm just letting them talk whoa yeah it's fucking cool like cecilia she's in a bunch right like sweet cecilia's on like that character, that face or voice first shows up on Untitled, so the third record. Uh-huh. And then she kind of gets her swan song on Civil War, and then Better Worse is written about her funeral. Oh, shit. Right? It's it's about Cecilia, them clearing out her house, uh-huh. right? Gold pocket watches, time stands still, carnation crosses. Like at the end of Cecilia on Civil War, that's her walking to the beach, right? That's. Her and a random person having a conversation in the chorus, the like, you gotta take care of yourself. That's the bartender overlooking and not saying anything in his head. And the outro is her essentially ODing, walking to the beach to die. Uh-huh. Right? Like, when I go, like, I wanna be by the ocean. So it was kind of me projecting me and, and, and her and this addict. It's, she's the, the addict voice in my head. Uh-huh. So then, better or worse, it was like, all right, let me put her to rest. And then I'm in the shower when I'm doing these 12 liners and this voice comes back into my mind. It's her. And so Better Worse is really about, like, and looking back, like, it's not her, them cleaning out her house to, to because she's dead. It's because she's in rehab and they're trying to find the stash. They're trying to find all the things that she can't have. Because yeah. the, the song on the new record is Better Way. It's kind of her saying like, "Hey, I'm okay, right?" Like the the 
the like the pre-chorus verse or whatever in this 12 line is uh city aches with rain and the skyline's not the same but these streets they don't feel the same to me anymore and then it goes into like you know she only wants a better way to breathe again which is like straight like that feeling like i sobered up a long time ago so that said that that first breath you have and you're like oh fuck i'm alive like we're good wow like, we're gonna make this work yeah uh and that's why that record ends with the line uh it's so damn hard to hide behind these scars because uh, uh-huh. it's her saying all right cool i'm here we're fucking good like, yeah let, let's fucking go wow that's therapy I, <clears throat> I sat and talked with my my therapist about like my mental health and we realized that i've been writing i've been projecting these voices that live inside me that are healthy in a sense okay. and letting them kind of run their mouths and, and, and guide like when I'm writing. So when I disassociate, when I write, they, they come out and I just let them ramble. And right. like one of them's like a really like fuck the world, like fuck this guy, like fuck that. Right. And those are like the bitter, like life sucks songs. And uh-huh. Cecilia's like the, uh, her voice kind of, resonates and says like all right it's time to go it's time to run yeah like just make a break for it and there's like a uh like silver dollar is 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 this guy i refer to him as the veteran he's like a soldier that's kind of been through hell and back that's like just trying to get by yeah survive right he's a survivor Uh uh so there's his voice comes in and out of of in and out of play uh yeah, it's cool. It's we just spent like eighteen months really like dissecting every song I've written, trying to see if it's my you, voice you and your therapist. or yeah. Wow. Yeah, it's fucking cool. That's like awesome. I'm stoked, and now yeah. I'm just like letting them like. And I, if I sit and write, like, and I, I sit and write every day, like before I came here, me and Matt Woods were joking about writing a song about the Claremont Lounge, like a Woody Guthrie rambling song. <laughs> I'm like sitting like cracking jokes about this 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 strip club in in Atlanta, <laughs> you know, uh-huh. and uh. But when I sit at night, I tend to do it at night when I'm tired. I just, and it starts out just like a one, four, five, and G, just a John Prine kind of finger pick uh-huh. riff, and I just let it out. Man, okay, so it's fucking bonkers, right? It's, it I told is. you I'm a maniac. Like, I, I love crack it. jokes about it, but like, I love it, dude. I because so I'm really interested in as someone who doesn't isn't well versed in that particular condition that you have. That it sounds like. If you, you're not like trying to kill off these characters or no, these voices. Like no, there, there's yeah. a, a utility to them outside of the writing yeah. process. Yeah, they're kind of like, uh, so so, from how I understand, like how my mind works, like so schizoaffective is essentially multiple personalities, but they tend to get aggressive towards me. So like, uh. like I have a voice always saying like, just go buy that fucking bag and go get a needle. It's always in the back of my head. Right. It always, and anytime I'm like, all right, cool, the show's going great. Like, man, just fucking get a bottle. Like, yeah. go back to the old life, right? Uh huh. So, and and through through therapy and whatnot, I'm like understanding how they work and how they intertwine and and like like if if I ask you in an hour, like, yo man, you want to go grab some ramen? Like, I'll have three voices telling me like. You sure you want ramen? Like we're in Florida. Like tacos are really good, but that faux spot up the road is really good. Like the full conversations all the yeah. time. Um, that's why, like, if you see me like later night, I'm like walking around like before set, trying to like eyeball in my head, like 
the set list. Yeah. Because I kind of read every room before I play mm. and read the show and see who's there and like, all right, are we doing like the punk, punkier, heavier strum or like, can I really play quiet story songs tonight? Is it a, a banter night? Like last night was a banter night. I played for 45 minutes. I think I only played five songs. Whoa. Like we were just talking uh-huh. yeah. and the conversation was there and, uh-huh. and I played a slower, quieter song. So like when I, I look like a fucking like wide eyed, like what the fuck's going on? Yeah. But it's just everybody talking like, all right, what do you want to do tonight? Yeah. Well, listen to the voice that says, go get the foe. If you're, you're playing at will. So yeah, like we're playing it's a Mills 50. Yeah. yeah. You want to go get the, you want Vietnamese food. You exactly, want. Exactly. Yeah. So just make sure that voice. But we're also in Florida and like Mexican food in Florida is, is, is way more, is way better than Mexican food in Covington, Kentucky. Right. Right. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Well, my partner, Chris grew up in Utah. And she swears that the Mexican food in Utah is better. I swear to God, if, if it ends in Airto and it's in Salt Lake City, it is the best Mexican food you can have. <laughs> that's, that's Pretty much anything that ends in Airto <laughs> is good Mexican food. Yeah. It's uh, like a hard rule. <laughs> if it's Airto, we're stopping. You yeah, know? yeah. That's great. Um, dude, oh, so much great stuff there. Because one of the things that stood out to me about these records – and I did dive into all of your music, but these forthcoming records is the um, the way that you the world building you do, and so it's like and and it's interesting to hear you say that you know the process that you were using because it's like I, what I noticed was that it feels like you build a world with e- within each song, like you set. There's so much I, I can picture myself sitting there having that cup of coffee as the sun goes down. Yeah. Right? And like what you know an that ev- mo- like that song, what an evocative fucking line. Yeah. It's simple, but, but that like, song is is it's it's past, present, future. The first four lines are are it's called How Fast to Run. It's gonna be the first single on nineteen sixty. Oh when, cool. When it comes out. Um coming out in the fall, right? Yeah, the okay. fall. Um that first Four, that first two couplets are seeing somebody walking down the street that you're like, you, you seem cool. I want to know you. Yeah. And that second four is the courage to, you know, you're on that date. And then that chorus at the end, right? Like the, the pre-chorus is, oh, my, my, if we just had the time. It's just one line that yeah. says, I'm fucking busy, but I want to know you. Yeah. Right? And that's uh-huh. the, like, realization. And then that, that chorus is when we're old. It's three stages of life. It's beautiful. It's, stu- it's, it's twelve stunning. lines and attack. It's a stunning song, dude. Yeah, John Calvin really and and Corey Tromatelli played upright on the on the sessions and uh, Corey is a yeah just they they the two of them we never played in the same room. Everything was done via tape machines and the internet. That's crazy. Uh, That's every, crazy. Everything just. It, it feels like we're all in one room. It does. But yeah. Yeah. Uh, like John Calvin is such a beast in, in composing mm. and soundscapes that like he sent, I think he sent How Fast to Run first and I said, cool, you're doing the whole record. Wow. Just because the way the piano and the pedal steel and like there's some stuff on the record later on that he's like doing a pedal steel bend with a harmonica harmony over it. Which is just like yeah. you're telling me you, you played this part on the pedal steel <laughs> with a pretty bend and you 
you managed to thin Lizzie it with a harmonica? Like, what are you doing? Like, I'm in. I'm all in. Oh, um, man. That's the second Thin Lizzy reference in three episodes of the Marinade. That's it's the greatest band ever. That's great, man. Yeah. The next record is going to be an all Thin Lizzy cover record about hot dogs. <laughs> Are you serious? Yeah, Thin Glizzy. <laughs> yeah. When I saw you on that roller, man, I took you for a chance. It was 3 a.m. at 7-Eleven, and that big mite oh, man. took a glance. You roll steady under the heat lamps. <laughs> I always get mustard stains on my pants. <laughs> Yeah, thin glizzy. Thin glizzy. It's, it's, we're gonna we're gonna take over the world. Oh, with thin glizzy. yeah, that that has no chance but to be successful. Yeah, thin glizzy does. Um, <laughs> you, one of the things you and I connected about on a more serious note is uh, thin glizzy is pretty serious. It is very friend. serious. It is, it is very. It is very it serious. Is, I'm sorry. I did not mean at all. Did not the mean. Are nice and brown. I am so sorry. I was not trying to disparage thin glizzy at all, folks listening. It's okay. Yeah, we're good. <sighs> Please note that his body language is understanding of the moment and that I didn't mean that. Um, but, but we connected about Justin Towns Earl. Yeah. And you shared the most beautiful letter that. Yes. Yeah, and it's a, that his Instagram and it's, it's his wife that runs it. Um, yeah, that was, I was real young. My old man is, is, is a music guy. And like that's how I found out about Lucero and the Hold Steady, mm. and and he held things like we we knew we listened to Springsteen, um, but he never pushed it on us. And mm. like I remember having a conversation with him about Nebraska, and it's like I, I heard Nebraska, and it was like welcome, mm-hmm. just that was it, welcome. And then uh, I later found the replacements about the same time, and I was like, hey, so. I, rem- I blatantly remember punching my dad in the arm and calling him an asshole because he didn't give me Let It Be Young. Huh. The only band that he really was like, you need to listen to is The Clash. Huh. Uh, and, and Which is, for, I have Joe Strummer tattooed on the back of my head. Right. Like looking over my shoulders all, at all times. But, right. Um, but uh, he always would be like, we need to go to the show, we need to go to the show. And he handed me Yuma, and I kind of wrote it off. Why? Uh I it wasn't Paul Westerberg. Uh, I was you know uh, I was twenty uh, and I was engulfed in Minneapolis. Sure. Sure. Uh Um, and uh, but then the good life came and I was in. Yeah. Um, and we went and saw Justin at Maxwell's. It was him and Corey Yates. That's that guy's name. Yates. I don't know. I I think he's an old Crow Medicine show now. Mm. I think that's his band now. Um, but it was just the du- the duo right as the good life came out, and I was in bands and I was already on tour. You know, I started touring real young, um, and mm-hmm. the way those songs hit that night in a small Maxwell's is maybe a hundred and fifty cap, mm. if that. Mm-hmm. Small shotgun back room of a bar in Hoboken, New Jersey. But the way the lights hit him, his smirk. He was a towering person. Yeah. I'm a big guy. I'm 6'1". And, like, I was looking up. Yeah. Um, But the way everything hit, but really the way the light hit him, it made me realize that songs were the most important part about music. Oh, wow. That whatever you do, and I was playing in, like, a soul reggae band then, Rocksteady. Yeah. Uh, As long as the songs were good, you're golden. 
Uh-huh. And it kind of sent me on this quest. Like I said, I was I was maybe nineteen, uh, maybe twenty to to write. I just wanted to write. I wanted to tell stories like, you know, the good life, mm-hmm. and and you know, the way that he painted in 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 um, in I you know I went back to Yuma like Yuma is they're perfect songs they're these stories of of life good and bad and then Mm -hmm. the good life it gets a little funky and 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 but and and the hooks are there Mm -hmm. and later on i i I discovered john prine i was like oh that's what that's why the hooks are there it's john prine Mm -hmm. um and then midnight movies and i just and just like every time there was a new justin record my life got weird and it hit me perfectly uh uh-huh. right i harlem river came out i was moving out of new york and i moved to la and then i was moving back to the east coast when nothing gonna change the way you feel <clears> about me uh-huh. came out and uh-huh. and it was just it just the way that he wrote the way that he played the smirk the jokes yep. it like even i saw the the saint and lost causes record release show and my my old guitar player Will Will Romeo he uh, he like managed to, he, his wife bought him tickets but his wife couldn't go and said we're going to see Justin tonight and I had two days off between tours and I'm like okay and uh, we ended up like somehow front row city winery and he just kept looking at us making fun of the bougie folks eating steaks and looking at us and like you guys are punks. You get it. You're not getting a steak. Like, you guys are splitting an order of French fries because that's all you can afford. Like, yeah, like proper working man. Uh, but but yeah, his 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 ethos and, and his storytelling and and his story um, is huge to yeah. me. Um, it's, it's but it all goes back to that light. Yeah, the way that light hit him and that smirk. As he dropped that line, any of the lines, yeah. right? With yeah, with JT, any of those lines are mystifying. Yeah, and and in, in, I, I'm in Nam. I'm still like I listen to Justin almost every day. Wow, in some facet, wow. it, whether it's on a playlist or uh-huh. a song pops up on shuffle, or I go and put on a record. But I listen to something by him just about every day and it's weird when I'm homesick I go and I tear through YouTube yeah looking for for gems uh-huh. and and he's not from New Jersey right I'm not from Memphis right you know like uh-huh. but just the way he paints pictures to me I'll always relate to guys like Springsteen but the way right especially on on, on nothing's gonna change and Harlem River Blues. He he's talking about the same bars that I was going to, mm. right? Mm-hmm. And that mm-hmm. like you know one more night in Brooklyn, like I I lived in that fucking apartment. Yeah, right. And uh, I've wanted to push out of that apartment to to grow with with the people I kept close. Um, I get it. I fucking like, and it's yeah. just there. Yeah, right. He had such a like. <clears throat> That light you talked about hitting him that day, and then the smirk. He had like such a. There was a certain. There was a swagger to him. It wasn't yeah. like 
I don't know if cockiness is the right word. But he wasn't cocky. He wasn't like, yeah. But he, he had that like, yeah, man, like, I know what I'm doing, but like, you knew in the back of his head, he was probably living with imposter syndrome. Yeah. All the whole, like, am I doing yeah. the right thing? Like, yeah. They're clapping. It sounds good. Okay. But am I? Yeah. You know? I saw him, uh, Swanee, up in live, uh, Swanee, Spirit of Swanee Music mm-hmm. Park, <clears throat> 2000. 12 I think it was 11 or 12 um, he played a midday in the round with Jim Lauderdale and Jason Isbell <laughs> check please <laughs> yeah right and I was just like I mean I'll never right this, those moments you and never and this is probably Isbell was still drinking then. I think he had just quit or, yeah it's like 2012 I think yeah he had, so so and I'm not discrediting Isabel's early records, but like yeah. those two that came out right as he sobered up are it, yeah. masterpieces. So this, that, that, um, Here We Rest had come out. Okay. Um, so he, cause he played Alabama Pines and Justin yeah. had to cover his own microphone because he was singing cause he like, he was he, like taking up in the song, moment, yeah. you know? Um, but then what was, and then the 400 unit played, but also later, but also Justin played with a band later. Yeah, cool. And it may have been the only time I saw him with a full band. Never seen him with a band. Yeah, every other time I just saw him. I've seen him with like what's her name? I saw him, yeah, right, some of the three like piece. The, yeah, yeah, yeah. This combos. was this was like a full band, and dude, he he stole the show. I mean, and I'm talking about Jason's when the 400 unit were there. Now, granted, again, this was 11 years ago, 400 yeah. units, so it wasn't quite the incredible production you get now, but it was still amazing. They were still yeah. a great fucking band then. But Justin just lit the woods on fire, man. It was, and, and so much that stood out to me was like, his, that, again, that kind of like swagger to, he's playing these incredible songs, but that's that presence that he had. Yeah, it, it was light. It yeah. wasn't like... Like that could that that dude could have, you know, been the worst songwriter, but right, just right. the way if he if he just presented himself the way he did, right? It's you know, like you love John Prine because John Prine always feels like he's your father or your grandfather. Uh huh. Just the way he presents himself, uh-huh. the way he talks, the ways. Uh huh. Right. Yeah. Uh, it's like Randy Newman, like. Randy Newman is your grandpa. He's your weird uncle that you love. Yeah. Right? John Prine is that it's that lovable grandfather figure, right? And and Justin is like that kid up the block smoking yeah. darts, smoking heaters. Yeah. Like yeah. that just looks cool. Yeah. He yeah. Yes. And you're just enamored by him. And and you know, the glory of JTE is that he had this catalog. Mm-hmm. songs right some of the Yuma stuff like he wrote when he was like what 14 15 yeah, years old insane yeah right when I was 14 I was writing like I hate my mom she's yeah. the worst she she took away my misfits bullet yeah, shirt because it had Kennedy's yeah. head blown off on yeah. it right those were the songs I was I writing I want to touch Sally's butt yeah <laughs> she won't let me <laughs> yeah I mean to be fair I'm still writing songs like, I want to <laughs> touch Sally's butt <laughs> Like and I there's said, nothing wrong with I that. just wrote a song about the Claremont Lounge. I started to write a song about the Claremont Lounge. There's something too. Also, I think about you, you know you've, you've mentioned Prine and you've mentioned Springsteen and you know these legends of roots music, mm-hmm. but there's also something about someone like Justin or Isbel or like for me it's it, my, my Justin is probably Isbel yeah. because and we're about the same age. He's a little bit older than me, and I've grown up 
and become an adult with his records. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like there's something about someone that is contemporarily making music that speaks to you and it's hitting you, as you mentioned, at these phases of your life. Yeah, the growth phases. Right, yeah. exactly. But that's fresh music. It's not like you're yeah. and 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 there's so much beauty in going to a John Prine or to a Springsteen or whatever. But they did that forever ago in yeah. most cases. The records that you're listening to, whereas Justin drops a record and you're like, "Fuck, I needed that song." Yeah. right there, and I've never heard it before. Champagne Corolla. Done. <clears throat> Saint Lost Cause is done. There Hell, you go. even his version of. Graceland when that hit it was perfect yeah and granted like I got Southeastern something more than free like somebody gave them to me maybe two weeks out of rehab oh wow and those records hit me exactly where they needed to hit and made me realize oh shit like this is possible yeah right I can I can work for a good life but like here in Elephants, after sitting in a rehab for three weeks, four weeks, fucks you up and makes you really, you know, it, it, it landed exactly when I needed it. Yeah. You know? Um, my buddy Vic, um, Ruggiero, I worked for his band. I moved in with him when I was really young. He sings in this band called The Slackers. It's like mm -hmm. a New York City ska band. Uh, um, I want to talk about that, too, so I'm glad you went there. I've written 90% of the songs on the records. There's two that I did not write. One's on the next record. It's on a seven inch that Will, my guitar player, wrote. Mm -hmm. And the other one, obviously, like the Cup song from Pitch Perfect, I did not write. <laughs> right? Or Tom Waits' old shoes. But mm -hmm. Highs and Lows on, it was on Love Letters, and we did it again in that Americana thing, Americana thing. Vic wrote that. Okay. And that line, uh, and I love Vic, like, with all my heart. Uh, reason I must, one of the reasons I'm, I wanted to be in a band was to be like Vic, this kind of nomad, vagabond. And I'm, I'm real stoked and grateful that I've had him in my life now for pushing 20 years. And we got to travel together for about eight years and we lived together for three years. Um, there's a line in Highs and Lows turn the radio on and hear a song that they that they swore they wrote for you mm. right mm -hmm. those moments mm -hmm. right mm -hmm. and and it sounds like those jt records for me or those isabel records for you mm -hmm. right you hear those songs and those records and you fucking feel and they it's so it's incredible the universality of it how like you're getting out of rehab and it's and and it's hitting you and he got out a year prior yeah prior Whereas, like, for me, I was just, like, the reason those records, especially Southeastern, hit me so, and, and Here We Rest, for that matter, hit me so intensely was because what I was hearing was, like, my transition was I was finally deciding in my 30s to, like, become a fucking adult. You know, I was like... What's that like? <laughs> I'm not... <laughs> it's... Um, Are you going there, my friend? It's boring. Is it? <laughs> no, 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 it's great. It's great, but, like, you know... And it looks different for everybody, too, yeah. I think, right? Like, yeah. you know, what that looks like. I was just reflecting on this recently. I got two years before I joined, joined the union, my friend. Yeah. I got one more push. There you go. Two records. There you go. And it's just like, there's something... When I when Southeastern came out, I was like, all right, I'm going to give this being a, a grown-ass man a, a push, right? Yeah. And there's so many... Gr 
so many songs on there that to me speak to, okay, it's time to be a grown ass man. You know, there's so many yeah. songs on Southeastern that are like, you know, I can't, I can't, I can't do Super 8 Motel anymore. Right? I can't, yeah, I can't, yeah. I, I gotta, I gotta get my shit together. I gotta be, I gotta start to do the things I need to do yeah. in order to like live the long fulfilling life that I wanted to. And it was also a time for me where I was, I was accepting that I'm a creative. I was like yeah. coming into my own as someone who makes stuff. And th- that record just hit me in, in that moment. So what's so beautiful about this whole fucking mystical, magical musical experience is like those records hit you at a time when you were going through a very different thing yeah. and still they spoke to you so clearly, yeah. you know? The, 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 the perfect song. Yeah. 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 The perfect song. Yeah. 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 Um, all right, so you mentioned the Slackers. Yeah. I think I got into your music originally um, because Joe, whose last name I've never heard pronounced. Mayako. Mayako. Finally. The fifth Beatle. Joe. The fifth fucking Beatle. He was such a champion for music and such a like lovely guy and who I've also connected with online, similar to the way that, yeah. that you and I connect, connected, um, loves you. Right, he just this is my best friend in the whole world. He just thinks you're amazing, yeah. you know, and raves about you. So I was like, well, if Joe likes him, I got to check him We're out. We're good. <laughs> I, I, there's two people in this world that I will say, if you're a friend of so and so, we're good. Three, three. Uh-huh. Joe Mayako, Todd Farrell Jr., uh-huh. and Pete Steinkoff from the Bouncing Souls. If oh, you're cool. a friend with Pete, Joe, or Todd. We're fucking good, man. It's the second Blood time. Brothers. That's the second time Todd's names come up. Justin mentioned him. Yeah, yeah. Um, shout out to Todd. Todd Farrell. Yeah. Um, so I didn't know about like. So I don't know when that was. It's was probably like 2019. Mm-hmm. You had a record drop right Civil about Civil War. Civil yeah. War. Yep. So I think that's about when I first got introduced to your music. So I didn't know about like your reggae and ska yeah. kind of days and so i went back and listened to it's like 15 stuff. years of touring before civil war 13 years okay before let's i even thought about writing civil war so i'm really interested in, in all of that because you know i i didn't i only know the slackers because a good friend of mine is really into ska and he sent he took me to uh, a show at the at the social here in town what year was that 20 probably 15 or 16 I might have been there. Well, that's pretty wild. I was tour. I I, mm, I stopped working for them around fifteen, about the time I sobered up. I think it was twenty fifteen. Yeah. It all runs together because it, it, it might it might I have been the last run I was with them. Wow, that's cool. Let's yeah. let's pretend like it was. Yeah, cool. Yeah, <clears throat> it's good to see you again, Mike. <laughs> likewise, likewise. <laughs> I probably know your friend too, to be honest with you. Yeah, you probably know Philly. Everybody knows Philly. Yeah. Um, so uh, he. He took me to that show, and there was ninety percent of the shows I go, I, I attend are like people standing still. Yeah, exactly, exactly, and it, that ain't it. You no, know, it's a wave, especially <laughs> the social. Yeah, those shows are are we're always magical, and 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 um, always a hell of a hang. You oh, put cool. merch in that little corner, uh, and I'm just like, yeah. Pff. Actually, we played the social. We did a Slack show. It popped up on my memory today on Facebook nine years ago. I was at the social today. How much different is, it seems like you've lived so many lives. How much different is that world as a musician versus sort of 
country you, music you, and Americana music yeah. or reggae music and Americana music. Yeah. It just depends on what country you're from. It's all country music. Uh, 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 right? Reggae music uh, is just country music if you're from Jamaica. Right? right, 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 right. It just depends on what country you're from. Yeah. Um, no. Um, so uh, I've always written cowboy chords. Uh-huh. E, open E, G, C, D, A minor, right? Uh-huh. And then we'd take, you know, the glory of reggae music is, is some of the best songs are, like, the verses are just one chord. Mm. And just, it's about the groove, mm-hmm. right? So mm-hmm. so as long as the the melody playing cowboy chords, like, we'd always adjust it, but, like, everything was written strum, and then it's like, all right, let's get the band in the room. Mm-hmm. And let's figure out, like, all right, we know it's going to be in this key and this groove, like, you know, and you build off of that. Um, and then the words kind of just, whatever I've written, cowboy chords comes out rock steady or reggae and and the thing about rock steady and ska is that that was really rock steady was the answer to motown mm. right it's the same time frame it's a lot of the same songs are covering me mm-hmm. so so it was really just about writing like the saddest most heartbreaking love song you could mm-hmm. which is no different than what you know barry gordy was doing in detroit right um but but the process is the same it's it's always okay. kind of been the same right you know Find the line, right? Everything with me is kind of written off a line. Mm-hmm. Um, or a concept, right? Like the last song I wrote was about a friend of mine just lost her whole man and a uh, mm. big music guy. And, and the, she was telling me all the songs that they would play. So I just started writing them down, right? And that's that's going to be based, all the lines are going to be based off of these old songs. Her father sang to her. Mm-hmm. Same thing going back to reggae music. Like, like I knew, like, like Sweet Misery. I knew the line was he got me in a sweet, in, in sweet misery. Mm-hmm. Right, that's that's the line. And mm-hmm. I knew that I wanted to talk about the concept of the crossroads and, you know, uh, I left you at the the altar. I took a left to the cross. Right, that was one of the lines too. Where it's like, okay, like I love you, but. I'm going to go sell my soul and, 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 and travel, mm. which is no different from how fast to run where it's the line is, I'm just hoping for that slim, slim chance, you know? Uh-huh. Right. It's, yeah. I've never, I've never really adjusted the process. Interesting. That's I really just, interesting. Uh, I'm a firm believer in a perfect song, uh-huh. right? My concept of perfect song, the most perfect song that I can name off the top of my head shares. Do you believe in love? 1930, Robert Johnson sings it, right? Uh-huh. A couple years later, Billie Holiday's singing it. Then it's a big band song during World War II. 1952, Chuck Berry's ripping it on an electric guitar, right? Uh-huh. 56, 57, 58, there's a Sam Cooke version, right? 62, the Ronettes are playing it, right? 68, it's on a Rolling Stones record. 72, it's on Pet Sounds. 77, the MC5 is hollering about it, right? Mm-hmm. 1983. Two, it's on a Blondie record, and it's also on a Phil Spector-produced Ramones record. 87, you have the the Tiffany version, the synth-pop version, right? 94, you have Chris Cornell hollering it, right? Yeah. Every, it's a perfect song. These skeletons of do you believe in love after love can be played any which way. Right. There's no time reference, there's no mm-hmm. situational 
right? Uh, it's a perfect song. Yeah. So as long as that skeleton of the song can kind of fit in that parameter. Mm-hmm. Like I played fucking Van Halen's Jump last night, like a John Prine song. <laughs> right? David uh-huh. Lee Roth is a comparable songwriter to John Prine. Uh-huh. And if you look at uh-huh. Jump, and especially 1984, like John Prine could be singing Hot for Teacher. Mm-hmm. There's witty one-liners and there's serious lines. Jump, right? You got to roll with the punches to get to what's real. But then that next line, great chorus, you might as well jump. John Bryan could sing that all day. Absolutely, yeah. Hey, you, who said that, darling, how you been? That's a fucking John Bryan line. Yeah, yeah. Right? It's a perfect song. Yeah. You know? So as long as the, the skeletons of a song, right, and not even necessarily the chord, but the vocal melody, the content, what it's about, you can... It's a chameleon. You can make it any which way you want it to be. Man. Yeah, I think, uh, I, I, like, it, it reminds me of when Ryan, <laughs> Ryan Adams covered uh, Taylor, a Taylor Swift record. Yeah. Or even now, he just did Blood on the Tracks. He did Nebraska. Oh, really? He put a I, band on Nebraska. I didn't know that. I got to listen to that. Blood on the Tracks. I, I don't like Bob Dylan, so I'm going to let that one slide. And Nebraska, like, it's cool, but don't fuck with Nebraska. But 1984 is perfect. It's amazing. It's perfect. Yeah. And frankly, I'm not big into Taylor Swift. But once I, I heard those her. songs. Love her. You do? Yeah. I just I don't know why it doesn't land with me. I don't. The newer stuff doesn't land. Um, but but the older stuff is is real good. But when you hear it, sometimes you need to hear it in a different way. Like, obviously, those songs are good. I listened to Ryan Adams do them, and I was like, oh, yeah. shit, this is amazing. Yeah. And so clearly they're incredible songs. Um, but I don't know why it, it, it doesn't, she doesn't land with me. Otherwise you don't like Bob Dylan. I don't like Bob Dylan. Like you don't like him is what you're saying. Not like I, you're like I, ambivalent I, or something. I, I've done my homework. Yeah. You know your I, shit clearly. I have recently listened to the full catalog again. Right. You uh-huh. like baseball? I'm obsessed with baseball. Right. Bob Dylan in my head has like a point oh nine oh at batting average. Right. Uh-huh. Really strong rookie season, right? First uh-huh. six, seven years up to 68 up until the crash, great. I think the basement tapes are his, like, years after. Like, he tore his ACL in 68, right? Uh-huh. He's a baseball player, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. So the basement tapes are him rehabbing. <laughs> like, it's a couple of – he's got a couple of hits. They're not great. And then he hits his glory days in late 70s with, you know, like the, that late – and then he – Falls off again. He hurts his shoulder. Comes back in fucking '89 with the Wilburys. Uh-huh. Retires, right? Uh-huh. But he retires for the wrong team. '97, <laughs> they give him a one-day contract to come back. Right, time out of mind. Yeah, the Albert Pujols' season last year. Yeah, right. right? So he can retire <laughs> yeah, a yeah. Yankee, right? He started <laughs> Yankee. He's gonna end his right. But so Bob Dylan in baseball talk, right? We play this game of the bar. Perfect catalogs. Batting average catalogs, right? Yeah. Dylan, okay. I think, has a low batting average. He's released okay. 500 songs. All right. But let's be real. Maybe 40 of them are good. Okay. Really good songs. And, like, the thing about Dylan, too, is when he hits the ball, when he hits the ball, yeah, you have fucking Don't Think Twice It's All Right. Right, right, right. You have Lay, Lady, Lay. Yeah. Right? You have all these fucking, like... Mm-hmm. Out of this world to home runs, right? Love. But like, yeah. I don't need to hear a fucking twenty-nine minute song about JFK. <laughs> I don't, right? Uh-huh. And to be fair, like in twenty twenty, I don't need to listen to a bunch of guys. And no offense to the band or <sighs> Dylan, I do have a lot of respect. I don't need to hear you guys stoned off your gourds uh-huh. jamming, 
Yeah, yeah. Which is the most prolific piece of music in the world, the basement tapes. Yeah. Right? I, I don't need that. Man, that's an interesting point, too, because I think... I he was literally, like, average. he was just rehab, like, Credence. Credence has almost a perfect batting average. Yeah. They're batting a 900, right? They did but they four only, they or five... they were together, like, four years, though. That's fine. They did five records. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And do you know the deal about the last Credence record? Uh-uh. So the band was like, yo, Fogarty, you've written all these songs, and you've picked these covers. We're going to write a couple. Uh-huh. Like in my mind, there's like four or five bad Creedence songs, and they're the four or five that aren't a cover or Fogarty didn't write. Uh, uh-huh. And I feel like, like, so they have Creedence, real high slug percentage, mm-hmm. yeah. real high batting average, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Real good band, right? Oasis has like a big Oasis guy. I think they're batting like 500. I think Springsteen's at like maybe a six, like uh-huh. Hall of Fame, right? God, I love this. Okay. But um, like Springsteen. I don't love Tunnel of Love. It's also like subjective. I don't yeah. love Tunnel. Like okay. some people say Bob Dylan is batting a thousand. Like that's cool, man. Like mm-hmm. enjoy your thirty-five minute song about the Titanic where he references fucking Jack Dawson on a, on a door, <laughs> right? Uh-huh. Um, but like like Oasis, I think is batting like five hundred. I think half those songs are really perfect. Uh, Spring scene, like I don't love. That weird. I don't love Tom Jode. I don't love Tunnel oh, of I love, love. I do love Tom Jode. I I respect and I acknowledge yeah. it, but opinion wise, like I don't think those sure. are hits. Sure. It's no Thunder Road. It's no sure. It's no fucking Promised Land. It's no Nebraska as a yeah. whole. It's no Dancing in the Dark. Sure. Sure. Yeah, that's fair. Right. Yeah. Again, real high slug percentage. <clears throat> right. Yeah. And he had a really good rookie start, and then he comes back. Later on, like Cal Ripken when he was fucking forty five and had a ripper of a season with uh with the rising. Yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Man. We play this we play this, we play the perfect song game a lot. This at the is bar. a great game, dude. The yeah. batting average thing, yeah. and the slugging percentage thing is awesome. Yeah. That's um, what do and, and it marries. And we have rules too, like like so Thin Lizzy put out twenty records after Phil and I died. Doesn't count. Doesn't count. Yeah. Like the misfits end. When Glenn Danzig leaves. Yeah. Right? Misfits have a perfect catalog in my book, right? The okay. Danzig era. Yeah, yeah. The rest, so whatever. Yeah. Uh, the Michael Graves stuff is great, except for the fact that he's a fucking whatever. But uh, Like you wouldn't count Skinner past the plane crash. Yeah, you know, Skinner you know? ends at, plane, at the plane yeah. crash, right? Yeah. Um, what about like the Almond Brothers? What do you do with them? Half the principal songwriters survived. Okay. So I give them a keep going. Okay. Um, but like uh, the Gin Blossoms, doesn't count. Uh-huh. Their principal songwriter only made one record. I didn't know that. Yeah, the guy that wrote "Hey Jealousy," he was a mess. And don't quote me that a mess, but I believe he was a mess. I believe he was going through it. And yeah. They ended up letting him go, and he killed himself. Oh no. And that's why the best Gin Blossom is the first record because that guy wrote it. Interesting. And the guy that wrote "Hey Jealousy." Did not write any other songs. Yeah. That's why that first Jim Blossom record is fucking out of this world and yeah. nothing else really counts, right? So Jim Blossom's is like a weird one where like it's the same guys and the same singer, but like the principal songwriter left. Yeah. Or like um and we have mul- like Notorious B.I.G. does not count. Technically he only released one studio record. Everything else is mixtapes, mixtapes and demos. Uh-huh. So you can't like Amy Winehouse the same thing. There's ten Amy Winehouse records. Eight of them are live. Yeah. Or B sides. Right. Right. So when it's like a one record or a two record band, like you can't really count. 
Yeah. Like the Misfits is a weird one because they really only put out two full lengths with the Danzig lineup. The rest is all seven inch and collections. Uh huh. Over whatever eight years. Right. Seven years. Like the Clash, like Stromer was in it from day one until Cut the Crap. Right. So you have to include Cut the Crap. Yeah, yeah. Principal songwriter. Yeah, yeah. I love this. Yeah. This is great. Um, like the Beach Boys. Like Beach Boys is a weird one because Brian Wilson wrote for them until like the early 80s. But then he stopped. That's when like the Mike Love Beach Boys really became a thing. Yeah. Right? The Dennis died and, 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 and Brian Wilson was like, I'm done. So you still count... I count with the Beach Boys. I count to like eighty. F- I, technically, you should count to current because Mike Love was a principal songwriter. Yeah, but that really brings down their average. <laughs> it brings down their average. But if you say the Beach Boys broke up after Pet Sounds, which is pretty much when Wilson really checked out, right? It's perfect. Yeah, perfect slug percentage. Like absolutely done. Yeah, that's some Barry Bond shit right there. Yeah, for real. Yeah, right. That's some Aaron Judge shit right there. Yeah. Out of this world, unbelievable, yeah, unstoppable, yeah. Now you're gonna text me in the middle of the night, like, <laughs> all right, man, what about this yeah, band, right? I am. Like, I'm, now you got me thinking about all this because yeah. now you got me thinking about batting averages for like, um, like Wilco has a really strong I say more contemporary, yeah, yeah, and Wilco doesn't necessarily have a massive slug percentage, like, they have hits and they are right. huge, right? Right, um, but they have such a strong batting average they're a record band they're not a singles band yeah right the wallflowers yeah that first record is all home runs all home runs all home runs and the second record is really good too and even the, the later stuff is uh, great the most recent one they did a few years ago is really yeah. good yeah um mick jones produced that record oh, I didn't know the that. last one mick jones from the clash he did yeah. two of theirs i think Man, they're so good. They're so yeah. they come up some fairly often on the show because I just think they're so fucking good. I think that Bring Down the Horse is a perfect record. It's a perfect record. Yeah. It, I Starts just to stop. I had I found my old CDs at my parents' house, you know, yeah. and so I was going through it, and I was just like, some of these records that I was obsessed with. I'm like, am I still obs- what, would this hold up, dude? Bring Down the Horse more than holds up. Yeah, T Bone Burnett co-wrote that record. Don't quote me. He didn't co-write the record. He produced the record. Produced Don't quote me. Um, Mike Campbell plays slide guitar from Tom Petty's band uh-huh. on that whole record. And the dude that played drums is a ghost drummer. It's not the actual guy on the record. Huh. And he's like, he, like he played for John Prine too. Yeah, yeah. Right? And just the band is like, and, and I think Ben Trench plays a bunch of it on. It's, it's, it's the, the guy from that band is now in the Foo Fighters playing organ. Oh, right. But on. he also did like the Bouncing Souls records. Uh-huh. He's like the guy playing organ on all those punk records. Yeah. Um, That's amazing. That's cool. But, um, I, th- I believe Ben Trench played a bunch on it too, as like okay. a ghost musician. But Mike Campbell is like, it's known that like that's awesome. The slide part on one headlight that. is yeah. fucking Mike Campbell. God, fucking it's right. so good. It's so good. I I want to I want to get back to you for yeah. a second. Even that was super super fun. But I want to get back, get back to you. Um, and I want to be mindful of your time. And we have I have I have plenty of time. Okay, you're good. All yeah. right, cool. Yeah, we All can right. talk. I'll, I will talk. Let's let you know, and then let's plan our podcast about baseball hell yes dude let's do that god that would be so much fun yeah i'm 100 down with that um so if you're looking at you look at your career you've done so much it's it's really it's so like i told you last night it was so interesting to do this research because you've done a lot and you've had this had so many twists and turns and ups and downs to your life and career 
when you look back on your on your career as a creative, as a as a songwriter, as a musician, if somebody's making the documentary, the Sammy K documentary, um, at, up to this point, right? You still okay. got a lot left, but up to this point, and maybe a fun question would be, what's what do you think is to come? But just up to this point, what are like two or three scenes that would just have to be included in the documentary about your career? Um, Manchester, England, 2019. Okay. It's the first time I sold out a show headline. Oh, cool. It was a small bar, 75 people. Uh-huh. My guitar went down. I played the whole set on the floor. And Civil War came come out like two weeks prior. And I'm couple thousand miles from New Jersey and, and there's a bunch of fucking kids from Manchester singing along. Wow. New songs. Knew all the words. Wow. That's up there. Um, That's awesome. May 2016 Asbury Park, New Jersey. Um, I climbed on stage. I don't know if that's it's 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 a notable one. No, that's not that wouldn't be. That <laughs> what happened? Just uh, Gaslight asked me and a couple of younger Jersey guys and Pete from the Souls to come up and play with them. Oh, cool! So I got to climb on stage and sing Gaslight songs with Gaslight <laughs> that's in my awesome. hometown in front of ten thousand people. Folks listening probably knows know that he's talking about the Gaslight anthem, but in yeah. case you didn't. Um. That's awesome. Um, Twenty April April thirteenth, twenty. I got a real good steel trap. Yeah, I noticed uh, that. I April was going to comment on that. Twenty fourteen. I, uh, I drove from Missouri to Dallas, Texas. Um. And and if you know me, I sobered up April sixteenth. Hmm. So that drive was real brutal and, and, and real fucked up and uh, and the next 48 hours of my life after that were very 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 rough mm-hmm. um, that drive would have to be there cause that we were in the middle of making four street singers I like left to go on tour and we put off finishing that record for like four months because I was in rehab. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that that drive is, is real important. Um, I don't remember the date, but it was 2007, February. Mm-hmm. Uh, we pulled in Los Angeles for the first time. And, and I definitely have a very torrid and toxic, I'm not even a fucking dodge it, relationship with Los Angeles County, Southern mm. California as a whole. So so going to LA completely, completely changed the trajectory of my life. I thought I was going to be an East Coaster my whole life. I thought I was going to live and die in Asbury Park, New Jersey. Uh-huh. But seeing the forever sunshine and, and, and the endless summer and that feeling of, was young I was 18 barely mm-hmm. um, that definitely was a huge moment 
seeing the Pacific for the first time. Mm. Um, and we've always kind of had real good Los Angeles shows over the years. That, but that definitely, like, if I didn't hit California on that tour, I probably would not fall in love with it. Realistically, I would have met this guy named Jason Lawless who passed away a couple years ago. Lawless booked a run for us in my first kind of touring band, this band called The Fourth Rights. Um, he would not book a tour with us that would have introduced me to Joey Quinones, who now is pretty well-known. He's in this band called The Sinceres, and he's like a Coal Mine Records, Daft Tones guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that's where I know him. that name from. Yeah, Joey Quin- So yeah. me and Joey made love letters. JQ, um, if if I didn't meet Lawless, I wouldn't have ended up on this tour with his old band, The Delirians. They're still active. He's just not in it. And we wouldn't have started to make music together because mm-hmm. that spawned the catalyst of love letters. And we were maniacs. We recorded like 75 songs in like a year. Mm-hmm. Uh, we just spent all day kind of partying and writing and 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 learning and figuring out how to make music and and um, that whole crew that we worked with on that record everybody like one of the guys is playing drums with the English beat right now mm. uh, one of the guys is like was in Taylor Swift's band for a while mm-hmm. like uh, everybody that kind of rolled out one of the guys is on like The Walking Dead he's an actor oh wow um, that whole crew and Joey is this genius songwriter, mm. um, composer out in L.A., like kind of leading the way with that Chicano soul thing, that, mm-hmm. that revival is a lot of it's him. Mm. Um, and a lot of those bands are, are people he's either recorded or produced or introduced. Um, right, the Altons were hanging out while we were making that record, and now they're huge. And, you know, Joey obviously went and did his thing. But yeah, that showing up in LA and meeting Jason Lawless is pretty pretty crucial. Mm. Um, yeah, I think those might be the three big ones. And obviously Orlando, Florida tonight. Yeah, at, at baby. Will's Will's Super Pub. Bowl Sunday. Super Go Bowl birds. Sunday. Yeah. Um, I'm pulling for the birds. I got my Gardner Minshew shirt yeah. on. I just want my boy to get a ring. So. Grease those poles. Grease them poles. <laughs> Uh, I like the the ongoing joke about, you know, I think Saturday Night Live did it, and I've seen memes about it, about like, well, uh, Philly's on fire, so the Eagles either won or lost. Yeah, that's <laughs> Philadelphia. That's what Springsteen Streets of Fire is about. It's about the Philadelphia Eagles. Is it really? No. But for the sake of the story, let's say it is. Oh, man. Um Dude, this has been so much fun. We yeah. usually end on what you're getting down on, so that the art that has you inspired at the moment could be, could be a comedy show you saw. It could be like you know a record you're listening to, a TV show, just something that's got a book you're reading, something's got you fired up. Um, I am thoroughly obsessed with Bella White right now. I think oh. she's amazing. I listen to Pet Sounds every morning with coffee. Mm. And I think I will do that for the rest of my life. Oh, wow. Um, the other day, uh, there's a beautiful lithography exhibit at the Knoxville Museum of Art that I've been mm. kind of daydreaming about. Um, mm. Mm. Uh, I have a Robert Frank photography book that I'm I'm pretty obsessed with. Mm-hmm. Pretty high-grain, 35-millimeter black-and-white photography. Mm. Uh 
Man, what a rich life. That's a lot of really great stuff. Huh? I try to go to an art museum every day. That's awesome. I'm a big fan of them. Well, especially traveling. Um, yeah. Uh, this kid, Mikey Frazier, I got his new record, and it's it's just phenomenal. Mm. Uh, the single's out now. It's called Tulsa. Um, I'm trying to think what else I've been losing my shit on. Wall of Death. That old <laughs> Richard Thompson song, Wall of Death. Uh-huh. Real good. It's been on repeat. Uh, I got to see Richard uh, Thompson live once, and it was I amazing. I love to. Um, Richard and Linda Thompson, the two of them are beautiful. Um, and uh, I really love this band out of Erie, Pennsylvania called The Oneaters. Okay. Big fan. Cool. Yeah. Awesome. You gave me some homework then. That's great. <laughs> I love it. Dude, thank you so much. You're, no problem. Uh, when's the EP come out? Uh, I think the first song is going to probably pop in about five weeks from now, mid March. Okay, cool. Yeah, it's, so it's off. Literally, we send it out to Master today. All right, so folks listening, make sure you're following Sammy yeah. on socials and so forth so that you don't miss that. And, of course, I'll be talking about it too. Um, but this has been just uh, – I knew it would be a pleasure. It was even more fun and more enjoyable than I thought it would be. But it's kind of last night for having Honey, I swear I'll be waiting here for you if you wait. Sammy K, y'all. Thank you so much, Sammy. Thank all of you for listening. Head to Bandcamp to purchase Sammy's music. You're supporting great art and a wonderful fellow at the same time when you do so. Marinatepodcast.com for all things the marinade, including written pieces, photography, our online store that desperately needs updating, and more. Follow us on Instagram, TikTok, Spoutable, and Twitter. Subscribe and give us a five-star rating on your podcast app. Tell a friend about the show. These are all free ways to support the marinade. And if you really like what we're doing and can swing it, please consider joining our Patreon community. Just a few bucks a month, you can gain access to Patreon-exclusive content like our show, Jason's Journey, where I talk about the moments that shape my creative life and provide a window into the process of making the marinade. It's just two bucks a month, y'all. If you can do more than that, we'd appreciate it. But I just wanted to be as accessible as possible. We've got so many cool things over there. Uh, A brand new monthly show. It's three episodes old called What We're Getting Down On. It's a conversation between me and my good friend Peter Haroldson where we talk about the art that has us inspired at the moment. Also, we have a show called Inner Child where I ask our guests uh, childlike questions such as favorite food, TV show, etc. Just silly stuff. Um, and it's just a lot of fun. If you if you want to support the show financially, but you don't want to commit to a monthly subscription, you can Venmo or PayPal us at just at the marinade if you look that up. All the money goes right back into making the show. And right now, that means saving up to cover a few festivals. Uh, we've been invited to some really cool events and got to figure out how to pay for those experiences, y'all. I am just beyond grateful to Sammy for this experience. Uh, Hopefully some of y'all caught that joke that sailed right over my head at the end uh, when he's talking about what he's getting down on. If you did get it, uh, drop us a note on uh, on Twitter or on Instagram about it. Uh, Just so thankful for this conversation. It was an incredible connection with such a fantastic person, and uh, above all, I'm just grateful for each one of you who listen and spread the word and and make these kind of experiences possible. Until next time, go out and create something. Cheers, y'all.